Welcome back. You. <laughs> strong start. Strong start. Uh, I'm sorry. I was said welcome back, and a lot of it was giving me the sexiest eyebrows, which is just not the energy that you and I have for each other. I hate that so much. It's something that you and I both have a talent for, but I just don't like it directed at me. Sexy at inopportune times. <laughs> A sort of like accidental horny kind of situation. Oh, that's uh, that is absolutely yours and my brand. <laughs> Oops, I didn't mean to be horny. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about Mary Poppins today. <laughs> uh, and this is its Broadway bitch. Welcome back. <laughs> Sorry, I guess we are. It's Broadway, bitch. But what better musical for accidental horniness? <laughs> another Julie Andrews throwback and another one of our episodes. Go listen to it, bitches. Uh, but yeah, so welcome to this Broadway, bitch. My name's Alana. I'm Christina. <laughs> We're hosting whatever this is. <laughs> if you're just joining us, I'm sorry, first of all. Uh, second of all, we just, we watch musicals and that's what we do. I'm just here to be a bad time and Alana's here to convince <laughs> me not to be. <laughs> it used to be like, I'm Alana, I'm the Broadway, that's Christina, she's the bitch, but we're sort of both, both of them now. <laughs> so we have to work out the branding there. I think let's say what our usernames for this week are, because we've now started a trend Yes, because we record on Squadcast. There's a spot on Squadcast where you can uh, edit your name or give yourself a nickname. So in honor of Mary Poppins, mine is Big Bert Energy. And I have two because um, the last time that I did it, I did Rogers and Hammer Me Daddy. And I'll never forget. I was like, I need to do something with the composers. And it's the Sherman Brothers. So I just called myself the Sherman Brothels. And then I thought of a better one. So I added it on. I'm also Mary Poopins classic <laughs> classic comedy am i right ladies <laughs> okay let's get into some background about this bad boy let's talk about her we are obviously we're watching disney's mary poppins the one that came out in 1964 mary poppins is also a broadway musical that happened i want to say in the early 2000s i don't know exactly when but that musical is based off of the book by P.L. Travers, which to my knowledge is like way more fucked up than the Disney version. <laughs> so there are some differences, but I have no way uh, that I know of to watch the, a version of that legally. So we're doing this one. When was the last time that you watched it? Have you ever been in a production of it? I have never been in a production of it. I am pretty sure the last time I watched this movie was when I was maybe nine years old. So a good 17 years ago. <laughs> and how did you feel about it? <laughs> I think I liked it. I like it wasn't in like the regular rotation. It was no Lion King. Am I right, ladies? Um, oh, but it was. I disagree vehemently, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, I watched it and I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. Um, as previously mentioned in our Anastasia episode, this and Anastasia were on constant rotation. 
so I I was an avid watcher of Mary Poppins for so so long. Uh, I haven't watched it also since I was ten years old, so it's been fifteen years. But like, goddamn, I was ready. <laughs> I, goddamn, <laughs> I have. So we're going to, I'm really just going to compare and contrast the way that I accepted all of these things to be true. And I was like, this is a silly thing. But like moving forward and now as an adult, I was like, hold on, what? That is a wild thing that I just took for facts. Like this is. (laughs) The movie is absolute batshit. Like it is batshit crazy. It is also extremely long. (laughs) It's so long and it's so, again, accidentally horny. (laughs) so unintentionally horny (laughs) um in a way that just it truly doesn't like you don't really realize it you don't have words for it until you're an adult but something's there when you're a kid and you're like mary and bert they're fucking right like they gotta be and then as an adult you're like she's just like not of this world yeah like (laughs) a text chain that happened a lot through our watching we watched i watched this about 10 hours ago and i actually fell asleep right at the end so there was a point where my dreamscape and my reality were sort of blending (laughs) i also fell asleep right at the end the good news is that i know the end by heart basically so let's go through flag height is something that like my sister and I will still randomly break into song and sing together, which is wildly out of character for both me and my sisters. Um, but I think that we said more than once is that like in any other circumstance, I would absolutely be like these two humans are fucking. But because Bert is a human and Mary Poppins is nothing less than like a Greek god inhabiting a flesh vessel to take on an image that the earthlings can process <laughs> i had a hard time like he i he fucks absolutely i had a hard he, time he gauging pulls, her. he pulls down pussy so hard but it's just not hers because she's too ethereal to even have the physical definition of a human pussy <laughs> yeah i went through a few hypotheses on her and i landed <laughs> with like she's some sort of like corporeal like being like she's not of this earth um but at towards the beginning for the first half or so i was like she's a witch (laughs) like she's a witch who does magic she controls the weather (laughs) um she has a magic bag like she's a witch and at i think there's a line of dialogue where they see her flying with her umbrella and michael is like is that a witch and Jane was like, no, she doesn't have a broom. But I was like, hell yeah, she's a witch. <laughs> she's uh, like the textbook definition of one. She's just a hot witch. <laughs> oh, that is who I am. I am just a hot witch. Oh, uh, hot witch. Hot witch simmer. <laughs> um, oh, God. My my one of my favorite Disney movies, I think of the non-animated, non-Disney variety. This is my top favorite Disney movie. And I don't know all of the words to all of the songs. And the thing that I love about subtitles is now every single musical is a sing-along. Oh, um, yeah. Which, like, I don't normally participate in, but I was doing it actively yesterday. And Matt, like, Matt's really great about watching something with me. And if I want to sing it, he'll, like, just indulge me and not do anything. And there's some times when I went a little bit too high. uh, And he, like, was like, okay, I love you, but no, this is not (laughs) for Like uh, when she sings in the mirror and she just keeps going and gets really in a high octave. Uh, 
Yeah, I started that pretty high and I got it really high. And he was just like, "Mm, no. (laughs) (laughs) So I will mention this is this is going to be a weird time because we have a movie musical that is kind of about children. I'll posit that the children just don't play a big enough role for me to care about them at all. It's really about Mary Poppins and and Bert um, and the parents. But at several points, you're just like, these children are fucking horrible. It's not that the kids are bad. It's that they were really bad actors. Like the characters were fine, but those kids... Their only expression was, like, wide-eyed fear, you know? That's fair. <laughs> when That's they first fair. are seeing her, like, pull shit out of the bag, and they're just like, what? Like, it's a, a look that I was cackling at. <laughs> I did a lot of out loud laughing at this movie when in the past viewings, when I was a child, I just, like, got all tingly inside, whereas now I truly cackling was, like, the main way in which I... <laughs> inhabited laughter um but yeah these children i i just don't focus on them and i don't think that they are the focus of the movie so they don't bother me like at all i really don't care about them and i'm not like mad that they're there i think they serve the purpose of underlining the wild things about mary poppins and that's all i need them to do (laughs) at least the flesh vessel that mary poppins is inhabiting (laughs) i really hate flesh vessel that is you started with gross eyebrows you had accidental sexiness. No, I believe the phrase was accidental horny. There's a difference. <laughs> You're right. There is no such thing as accidental sexy. I'm 100% intentionally sexy 24-7. <laughs> yeah, song by song. Let's do it. Let's jump in. So I do believe that the actual first song is immediately a banger, Sister Suffragette. Oh, it's a fucking banger. It's so it's so good. Because okay, so we first actually see Mary Poppins on a cloud, and that's our introduction to like the ethereal being that she is, because she's kind of like an angel, is also what is popular. Yeah. Um that was a part that I didn't remember where I was like, actually literally from minute one this first sweeping shot we see of the city and she's literally sitting on a cloud just like biding her time (laughs) just fucking waiting yep again i've watched this so many times i know i know this i love this part it's so good we see the carpet bag and her talking umbrella sinking into the cloud she's staying perfectly level and she just keeps pulling them up and then we transition down to the mortal realm where (laughs) where cook and and the maid i also love that cook's name is cook uh that's like a trope that has been is that because i couldn't tell what her name was i know that the maid's name was ellen she doesn't have a real name but they call her cook like it's her name it's it's almost like chef but more demeaning because they can't be bothered to call her other other than what she does which is too bad because the two of them are such like a power duo they're a comedy genius and what i will say is we get a lot of slapstick in this like much more Oh, this is in the era where I was watching cartoons where like and um the three stooges and I just thought like slapstick comedy was a staple of any good comedic routine. Um uh, and as an adult I realized what a joy true good slapstick is. And th- this entire franchise just gets slapstick so right so many times. Yeah, the whole like recurring gag because they live next door to the Admiral who <laughs> Also, literally shoots off cannons from his roof, (laughs) which, where do the cannons go? They have to land somewhere. It is the middle of London. It is a city. So what's funny to me, too, is uh, because this takes place in 1910. 
And we, in my mind, I knew it was London, but it was also simultaneously New York City and Central Park because they have a lot of like park imagery happening. And so I was like, oh, it's both those things merged together. And uh, we meet uh, Bert right off the bat after we see Mary Poppins. He's doing his one-man band thing, and he stops his one-man banding to show us to... He breaks the fourth wall fucking immediately, and it's so weird. It does not work. He does it, like, a few times. And it doesn't work at all. It's, it's very so unnerving, bad. actually. <laughs> it's very unnerving. Um, and we get the gag of him walking down this, like, really, really rich street with his one-man banding, where he's, like, his legs are attached to the drum behind him so he's like crashing the drum symbol every time he takes a step and that was the first yag that i was like out loud laughing at because i was like oh my god i just assumed that like there was no other <laughs> option when in reality like just unhook the strings motherfucker he was just <laughs> and then we meet the admiral and we were like okay the admiral uh he has what is it what is the what's the assistant manager to a ship captain <laughs> second <base. laughs> First mate. first mate he has a first mate on top of his house and i was just as a child was like yeah obviously like this is uh, this is silly but i get it the assistant manager <laughs> um, so i left out loud at burnt just like walking down this affluent fucking street banging away at his one-man band drum and then he stops and talks to the admiral who's in a fucking ship on top of a house they're about to light their cannon because it's six o'clock I, where do the cannons go? Where do the cannonballs go? And I was just like, ah, oh, this gag is so good. We've already get, been gagged twice. Just And just every time when the cannonball goes off and then everyone in the house, like the bank's household. Yeah, stops what they're doing and goes and like rescues all the valuables because Victorian values are like all about instead of getting anything that one won't break or two could be bolted down we're just like no every single time at eight o'clock and six o'clock we're gonna run to the post push the piano back across the room and prevent the vases and busts from falling and they're just like this is normal yeah it happens a few times and it's good every time it's good every time and again like in my kid brain i was like oh fun i like this trope but like i didn't think it was that laugh out loud funny and every time i laughed out loud as an adult <laughs> and we see cook the housekeeper and the nanny katie nana uh just like having a good fucking time fighting and the cook is like good riddance get the fuck out and katie nana's like fuck you and everything you've ever st stood for um because the kids are lost and it's the fourth time in like one week or something that the kids have just like run away from her and we're led to believe that these kids are like menaces to society. <laughs> and then they're just loose on the streets of London. <laughs> yeah. And then the mom comes home. It's hilarious to me that they have a nanny for like a woman who has no job. I feel like my Puritan societal like norms would be like if a woman doesn't work, she would be a full time mother. And absolutely not. This woman is her full time job is being like a secret suffragette. I don't think it's secret. It's, she's wearing a fucking sash. She has the house cleaner hide the sashes because it upsets George whenever he sees them. So he knows that she's in it, but like it's it's a little bit on the DL. And she walks in and Katie Nana's trying to make her grand exit and we get votes for women. Yeah, the song's called Sister Suffragette. It's like, it's it's barely two minutes long, but it's such a banger. And like not the song you would think that this movie would start off with. <laughs> 
this movie has such so many bangers there's very few songs in this movie that i don't think like hit home i love this actress first of all she does such a good job of being like a really smart ditzy housewife we love her she's great glennis johns is a very famous woman is she she's like a golden she's still alive she's like 97 right now um she's one of the last like golden age of hollywood stars that are still alive uh she's been in movies she's been on broadway uh this song was written for her specifically like they cast her like they went out and found her for this role she has a few broadway roles too where like there are some very famous songs that were written for her because she's like that famous so wow yeah well i'll forever remember her as the mom in Mary Poppins. <laughs> uh and she does a fucking great job she votes for men <laughs> We love men individually, but we agree that as a group, they're rather stupid. Just some key, key one-liners coming off the bat that I'm just, like, on board with. That sums up my feelings, exactly. So good. And we think maybe she's got got the right attitude to keep Katie Nana on, in line. And Katie Nana's like, great that we just had that bonding experience, but I'm fucking bouncing. Um, and then we see... <laughs> what is george george mr banks yeah mr banks who works at the bank he says hello to the admiral and he's like you're a little early and everyone's like no i'm never fucking early i'm precisely on time and the reason that we have that is the next song that we're gonna get is gonna be about the exact time that he gets home which is 601 and then at 602 he expects his sherry pipe and slippers yeah the song is called the life i lead and it's whatever it's toxic masculinity the song (laughs) and he like helps pack katie nana into her carriage and just waltzes into the house and it's like great slippers children where are the children yeah the whole time uh uh winifred is her name she's like the children are missing they're not here for your for you to pat them on the head like you're singing (laughs) like you're singing about it yeah and he's just not listening because she's a woman he's just the fucking worst yeah and it's so interesting too because we have the dichotomy of like suffragette powerful woman trying to be a powerful woman while also performing the the role of submissive housewife uh and trying to like keep him happy and she continuously belittles herself in order to make him feel superior and she's just like oh this silly man like it's it's an interesting dichotomy that she walks the line of and then we realize the children are missing and katie nana's gone and he he kind of shits on winifred because he's like four months six natties get it the fuck together i'll write the advertisement and we're gonna have it in the times <laughs> the audacity of this man we're gonna have it in the times it's just like and he calls the times after this next like couple songs and it's just like hello the times this is george yeah. banks i want to play some words <laughs> <laughs> hello newspaper <laughs> surely you know who i am <laughs> And so we have the two lists of the qualifications for the nannies. And those are the next like two, but also one song that we get. And one is by George to Winifred that she's writing and he's dictating to her. And the other is by Jane and Michael that they're telling their parents because they were like, we really want to have success with this. We think that working together would be the best way. Well, it's because they're like, it's after uh, the constable has just like deposited the children back. <laughs> after uh, Mr. Banks is like, fuck, we got to call the police. And then he calls the police and then they show up. And he was like, oh, that's convenient timing. Um, and the kids are like, we're sorry, we left father. And the, and Mr. Banks is like, yeah, you should be fucking sorry. 
You yeah, were bad Mr. kids. Really demeaning to the constable as well. He's like super mean to him. Yeah. And the constable's like trying to have a good time and be like, eh, they're kids. And as much as I pro police, like, Mr. Banks is a fucking ass and we will universally shit on him. Yeah, I'm pro this guy, you know, like (laughs) pro this specific guy, not policing as an institution. But the kids come down and they've written their own advertisement because they feel bad because dad was like, you are bad kids and you did a bad thing. And they're like, we're just trying to help. And it's a bunch of shit like Nanny's got to have rosy cheeks and needs to play games and won't make us like drink medicine or whatever. It's like normal kid things. And Mr. Banks is like, this is all bullshit. And mom is like, no, let's listen to what they have to say. I'm sorry. No, because he, (laughs) he, if you listen to the lines, um, I remember much more of the kids version than I do. Like, it's because it was like like five minutes long. It's a very long song where he's just like, a child needs to be like, bred and properly maintained and controlled. And it's it's very Victorian values, very like proper British dude, but like so mean and lifeless and loveless. And then the kids come down and if you listen to what they want, like they're not... They're, they Some of the things they're saying are like, okay, well, we won't be... We won't pepper her tea we won't like put frogs in yeah. her bed we won't like ruin her life yeah <laughs> yeah and it's just like okay come on now but at the same time we're looking at these kids and they're just like we just want someone who's not actively mean to us and george Rinks is like pish posh pish posh get out of here yeah he's he doesn't give a shit <laughs> and he rips up their list and throws it into the hearth with not a lit fire which makes no sense why would you throw it in there without a lit fire and then we see the magic happen and the paper floats up. He places his advertisement with the times. Uh, and then I think we jump to... Yeah, the next song is Spoonful of Sugar. So we have to meet yeah. Mary Poppins or so, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we, we meet Mary Poppins. And we have a series of great things happen. We have the wind changing directions. And a line of mean-faced nannies out the door. And we get another like little spoof moment with the captain. We have a whole... It, it's almost eight o'clock. Should we let them in? And George goes, no, at precisely eight o'clock. Eight o'clock is when it'll be. And at precisely eight o'clock is when the captain shoots his fucking cannon and destroys their house. And they just like let it happen every day, twice a day. I, I have, and- again, I have to wonder where those cannonballs are landing. That's going to kill somebody. <laughs> that is a fucking lawsuit. That is a funeral. Someone's going to fucking With die. With the level of shaking that's happening, I'm a, I'm, I have to imagine that they're landing directly on the bank's household roof. I guess. There's just no way that that sound is creating that much movement. Yeah. They're not breaking the sound barrier. <laughs> we have a strong gust that pulls away these fucking... Oh, we get, oh, we get a, such a good... This wind, the wind that Mary Poppins is controlling because she controls the weather and it is so strong, it blows away 20 full grown <laughs> ladies. It blows them into the air and they're flying like it's the tornado from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and no one yeah, bats like, a goddamn watching, eye. The housekeeper and the colonel are like watching it happen and they're like, yeah, just a normal Tuesday. This is fine. Yeah, they're just like, oh, weird. <laughs> Whereas I, an adult audience member, am beside myself. (laughs) And again, it's one of those things where, like, as a child, I, again, was, like, obviously 
that she needs to eliminate them. Yeah, this was nothing to me. I don't remember having yeah. a reaction and now to I'm this just part. Like, this, this fucking shit, this slapstick comedy is getting me so hard. And she enters the house, and Amelia is like, she pulls out the paper that the kids wrote. And it's like, we're going to have to be clear about my wages. I, I'm very kind. I'm very cross. And he's just like, am I ill? What the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. He's like fucking losing his mind. And he like notices that her paper is like all like stitched back together because he ripped it up. And he's like looking at the fireplace and he like is like staring into it. And she joins him and is like, yeah, she what gaslight, the fuck are you she looking at? Are so you okay? Getting this job. Yeah, she does. <laughs> he comes in and like... <laughs> I don't know about you, but, like, we are kind of led to believe that whoever is going to be here is going to be subservient to Mr. Banks. And she's just immediately a boss bitch and, like, dominates him and very obviously dominates him. And he doesn't really know what's happening. He never really recovers. (laughs) This is such a small detail, but she does say specifically that she needs every other Uh Tuesday off. Uh, what does she what what's her tuesday like like what's what does she do with that time off it's gotta be so wild right because she's clearly not of this earth like she's not of this world like when mermaids have to like go into the water every once in a while to maintain so they don't like shrivel up and die maybe she has to go back into the pearly gates of heaven yeah like maybe she like goes back up to mount olympus to like (laughs) you know like go to the meeting or whatever like (laughs) and she just like asserts herself and is like well i'll be upstairs with the children She slides up the fucking banister <laughs> like a witch. Yeah, Mr. Bailey. <laughs> oh, we get a slide down moment later too, but like the up part is so fucking good, and no one really sees it. And Mr. Banks is like, "I guess you can dismiss the others." Um, and it's just the dog nanny Andrew who's waiting his turn. <laughs> Which missed opportunity for a dog nanny. Listen, they, it worked in Peter Pan. It couldn't... Why wouldn't it work in Mary Poppins? Exactly. And this was the other part that I was confused by. So her room, I don't know if you noticed this, is attached to their nursery. Yeah, I also I noticed like, that. That seems like I bad was like, planning. I didn't notice that was... I didn't think that was weird when I was little. I thought that was like... I didn't even notice that. Um, and apparently I was talking to Matt because Matt's British as hell. I was like, is her room attached to their rooms? Like, that's weird and kind of pervy. And he was like, no, no, no. Her room is attached to their nursery, which is, like, their playroom. Their playroom is attached to their bedroom. So she has, like, a modicum of privacy. And then we get the magical carpet bag scene. Yeah. (laughs) Where we just have, like, a full plant, a full ficus, like, coming out. And we get her, like, fully turned on wireless lamp. (laughs) (laughs) This was where I was like, these kids are bad actors because they have, like, the weirdest facial expression. But their blocking was very funny where Michael's, like, under the table trying to figure out where all the shit's coming from. Yeah. Um, and we get some really good parts where we have like her replacing the mirror with her magic mirror, and then we get the measuring up, which is my my favorite. Like I really wish I had my own measuring tape with like every like every two inches had a new description of the height instead of the actual height. And we get ah, just as I suspected, <laughs> extremely stubborn and suspicious is Michael's height. And I wanna say that James is like prone to giggling and doesn't put things away yeah <laughs> and then mary Poppins is practically perfect in every way which is just such a load of bullshit it's yeah so right <laughs> like this system is rigged this system is so rigged <laughs> it's, it's fixed and then we get a spoonful of sugar and we get a wild wild scene where she's like she says like we're a snap it becomes a game and then we get a spoonful of sugar which fucking slaps i don't know about you but like my mom 
this is another one where my mom would break into a lot of songs from Mary Poppins. Um, and she would just break into Spoonful of Sugar. And it's a quick little bop and it becomes a motif where we are just describing enjoying something that is usually a mundane and unenjoyable task. Uh, and finally, Michael gets the the hang of snapping to get the things to put themselves away. That poor kid, yeah. <laughs> That's when the toys turn on Michael. <laughs> this is another part where, like, I remember this scene, um, but I don't remember it as it being as terrifying as it actually is. <laughs> oh and it made me laugh so hard because i just i again i remember this exactly and it was just the way that i see it now is so different (laughs) it's so funny and he just gets trapped in the closet we have a ball and a drawer we have some like toy soldiers in a chest that are just everyone's causing anarchy and it's not even that like it'd be one thing if the closet like locked him in but it's just so sporadically opening and closing that he can't find a way to fit through before checking his face (laughs) and he's just like let me out he's trying so (laughs) so stupid um before we move on from this song uh, i just want to briefly touch on the super animatronic robin (laughs) oh my god that (laughs) like straight out of like pirates of the caribbean animatronics like it was a full robot (laughs) it it killed matt matt was like dying and i was like like you know i i forgave it i was like this is fine it's 1960 we didn't have it's CGI. So I get it. It would have been better it's than like a so cartoon. The car- a cartoon would have been scary. Yeah. But it, I thought it was fine. Um, and you and Matt both were just like, I'm sorry, did you see that? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I don't know what you're upset about. I wasn't upset. I, I, I laughed pretty hard, though. So moving forward, then. What is our next song? It's a little tiny song. Um, it's Bert uh, when he's doing all the chalk paintings. Yes. And it's a little chim, 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 chimmery little, like, yeah, he I'm here drawing shit. And I like yeah. to draw shit. I drew what I likes and I likes what I drew. Yeah. Yeah. And we're reintroduced to Bert and Mary Poppins. Yeah. This is where they see each other for the first time in a little while. And he has the biggest dick energy. Just, like, the hugest fucking cock. When we were watching this, Christina was about 20 minutes ahead of me. And she texted me at some point. She was like, he's got the most big dick energy. And I got to this part and I was like, I see the part where you said that. Because he's got that <laughs> big dick energy. And he's just, like, all leg, you know? Like, every he time he walks. His his body is set up like Waluigi. Like, he is just... <laughs> Like, all limbs in a very small body. But he is clomping around these these chalk paintings that he's very proud of as if he owns the place. Because he does. Because he's got the biggest schlong in the world. And I believe it. Yeah. And it's it's a lesson in not... I don't want to say, like, in anti-toxic masculinity. But we have him as a foil to Mr. Banks. Where Mr. Banks is very proper and everything is exactly how it needs to be and he's very silly which i don't know about you but the biggest dick energy is someone who is very confident in themselves and he is being the silliest fucking man child and he's just like yeah i fuck what about it get in my chalk drawing bitch yeah he's silly and he is confident and he is not tied up in capitalism which is sort of mr banks's whole issue that's very hot and then we get into the best sequence of events in this entire thing with the exception of the contagious laughing. 
Which is, we're inside the Chuck universe. Yeah, they just jump right into that drawing. And it is, it's like a cocaine-fueled fever dream. Like, and and it's it's like 45 minutes long. (laughs) What I love about this, too, is we're mixing, again, like, animation and real acting. And they're also doing different art styles. So, like, all of the animals are, like, kind of traditional, what I think of traditional animation versus the background is, like, abstract, not abstract, it's impressionist, like, pastel drawings. Which yeah, I think is very beautiful. Yeah, it's like uh, a chalk drawing background, like a yeah. And flat. we see like Dean and Michael and Bert and Mary have all changed into what I think is objectively her most beautiful outfit. But like they all look dapper as fuck, wearing like light summery colors. Yeah, it's the very very iconic. Like she's in her white lacy dress with the parasol. He's in his like red and orange striped business with his little like barbershop quartet hat. It's it's very dapper. And the kids run ahead. They have permission to, like, go and play, which is ironic because the first nanny lost them four times when they, like, left. And Mary is just like, yeah, I'll find them later. It'll be yeah. fine. She's asserted her dominance. She knows that they, at the end of the day, they're securely attached and they'll come back. Yeah. So they take this time to sing It's a Jolly Holiday and Bert tries to fuck her so bad and she has a parasol and he has a cane and their canes and parasol fuck hard yeah there is Um, like a weird sequence where the wind like blows them away and they're like entangled in like obviously a sexually suggestive way even though it is a parasol and a cane but the this is where the energy between these two is absolutely crazy (laughs) because (laughs) it is not quite sexual because she's just not transcends sexuality she transcends sex so he is laying it down for her he is he is measuring his dick out for her and we get i'm sorry the best choreography from dick van dyke like he through this entire movie we just get a lot of leg action from him yeah because his like his waluigi legs like kick up so nice and he does a little like skip and it's very it's it's you know what we're talking about like i know that you out there who are listening you know what we're talking about He's doing the dancey, flirty version of the Three Stooges. It's and we a jolly oh, holiday with Mary. No wonder that it's Mary that we love. Um, and there's two things that happen. So we interact with the farm animals, which I think is charming, and you think is terrifying. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I didn't need it, but that's okay. <laughs> And it's fine. I'm fine with it. I wasn't like upset, but I was just like, it's part of the song. And I was, I I was enjoying, um, it's part of his dance to me. And then they go across a pond on the back of turtles. And while the turtles are saying goodbye, they drown. And for some reason that (laughs) fucking got me. (laughs) They don't drown. They just go underwater. They're turtles. They can handle it. (laughs) Yes. But he's still talking. And so we get like a goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. <laughs> and it fucking got me. Like I laughed out loud. I was fucking dying. <laughs> also, impressive that those very small turtles were able to support, you know. Well, she transcends a flesh vessel. He doesn't. <laughs> he does not. He's like nine feet tall. He's gotta be like at least like 180 pounds and just because he's tall. One foot. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. Um, and then they sit down and order food, and we meet the penguins, which are wild. They order food that never comes, I have to point they, out. That was Matt's bit. He was like, okay, well, I'm officially angry at this date because I want my raspberry ice. My um, raspberry ice and my cakes and tea, and I yeah. want to see penguins deliver it. 
Yeah. But we get a really good little like speaking number between the penguins and Bert where he's Mamba number fiving Mary Poppins. Yeah, he really is. I don't even know what he was talking about. I just heard a bunch of women's names being shared. You should have watched it with subtitles on because he he is going through he's doing a like a little bit of Monica in my life. A little bit of Jessica by my side. A little bit of Nina. But he's like, Donna and Phyllis. And he's like naming three people at a time and saying like, they're delightful. They're fun. Like women that he spots. Oh, it's absolute. Good for him. Yeah. It's, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to read it. So while you look it up though, I got some follow-up questions. Um, It's important to me to know whether these women that he's fucked are out in the real world or if they're in this chalk drawing. (laughs) <laughs> because I want to know what the sexual intercourse between like a live action man and a cartoon woman is like. Like, what's that look like? What happens when one of you is three D and one of you is two D? Do the does it work physically? Are the only women that he can pull women that he has to draw? That's another separate issue. Here's the thing that you need to know about Bert is that he's gonna pull down tail regardless of the dimensions, <laughs> and he'll make it a pleasurable experience. As long as it's not like he has to draw them, you know, like the only women he can make are the ones that he makes specifically for himself. So here's the lyrics. It's true that Mavis and Sybil have always been winning and Prudence and Gwendolyn set your heart spinning. Phoebe's delightful, (laughs) modest, disarming, Janice, Felicia, Lydia, charming. Cynthia's dashing, Vivian's sweet, Stephanie's smashing, Priscilla's a treat. Veronica, Millicent, Agnes and Jane, convivial company time and again. Dorcas and Phyllis and Glynis are sorts. I'll agree are three jolly good sports, but cream of the crop, tip of the top, it's Mary Poppins, and there we stop. 85% of those names are insane. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about this was Mary Poppins' face when he's naming off all these women, and she's giving a, like, girl <laughs> sort of look. <laughs> like, honey, sweetie, yeah. baby. Like, <laughs> um, And then we jump into just the, we have the Bert Penguin little tap dance break and it's it's charming as hell it is charming as hell it's also hilarious because he pulls down he like makes to pull down his pants as if they're not two separate pairs of pants as if his waist from the crotch to the top of the pants is like three feet long Um, (laughs) so he can do like the penguin waddle is the point of it but it was a weird delivery of it (laughs) it it was a it was a time if it were Um, any other man i would be like this feels perverted uh but because it's dick van dyke who is so confident in his huge schlong that I was like, yeah, it's cute and charming when you do it. And for such, I want to say new technology, because I know animation was like not super new at this time, but like the integration of live acting with animation is, I think, fairly new territory. He does a really good job at like acting and doing the correct timing and everything. Like he's, the, the way that he spaces things out is really good. And they do charming little dance numbers together. It's very iconic. Yeah. Uh, Jolly Holiday is a song with like three or four different parts to it. It like sort of keeps going as they travel through and meet more people. Yeah. But the penguin section is my favorite section of it. Yeah. It's objectively the best section. And then the next song, I believe, is Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Yes. So we have a fun little jaunt in between there where we like are on a carousel with all, everyone yeah it's just like jump again. cut to a carousel that's just like in the middle of the fucking forest or whatever <laughs> yeah well it's it's the carnival that he mentioned was behind the hill so they go and they find the kids and they're on the carousel and then she says oh driver and he 
lets the horses loose, apparently. So they're riding carousel horses down the road. And for some reason, they jump into a fox hunt. Which, um, uh, sure, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And the fox, Bert rescues the fox, which the fox is a spicy little character. He's like kind of mean and I love it. He's spiteful. Very Scottish. Very Scottish. And then wh- while we're exiting that little interaction we jump into a race course and mary wins the derby race like she didn't even start but like they're just like obviously she crossed the finish line first doesn't matter that she didn't do the other laps she's the winner and we jump to like her having your picture taken and everyone loving her and we start with super just to describe how she's feeling yeah totally weird uh segue into it but i'll take it We got some good lines, and I think this is, again, one of those songs where you're kind of hit over the, over the head with it if you are of any kind of, like, Disney or musical, not freak, but enthusiast as a child. It's a song that we've all sung a million times. Um, I wish it was longer, it. honestly. I think it's the perfect length. It's, like, barely two minutes. It's But it's so high energy that I think it's the correct amount of time. I think what I wanted was a dance break. Like, they dance... <laughs> small one but but they're singing like i wanted like an instrumental just dance there was an opportunity to like go balls to the wall with it um and not that they didn't julie andrews i don't think that julie andrews is really a dancer she's much more like a a classically trained singer so that's why i think every time that bert sings with what we haven't mentioned dick van dyke is american and he has the worst fucking like cockney accent of the entire world no i think it's great (laughs) i think it's exactly (laughs) what is needed for the movie I agree, but I want to acknowledge it. Um, <laughs> but in a song that she's leading, she's not a dancer, so we're not going to have a huge dance break with her, you know. Whereas he is, I think that his whole thing is the slapstick comedy. That's his whole well, thing. Well, the, the dance that they do 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 is uh, extremely charming. It is, <laughs> <laughs> and also with you. Um, <laughs> Um, it, I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that, you know? Yeah, it's very charming, very sweet. And I think that's, then we have the rain and they go home. And it's kind of a bummer ending first... <laughs> to the little sequence. I think it's the best ending that could have been. Because otherwise, we're just like, I think the best way to end something is to end it before you're, like, while you're still having fun and have it not be anyone's fault. That's fair. And, like, not have anyone get hurt. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, well, I believe the next song is like a small lullaby that she sings to them because stay away. They've gotten the yeah, which is one that I know all the words to, but doesn't really stick. It's just a little nothing song to me. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic example of reverse psychology, and I think that the actual song itself, like, yeah, it's like a nice little slow lullaby, but it sounds a little sinister. It's like a, a lot of like minor really key <laughs> stuff. Yeah course it's because like jane and michael are like we just had a crazy day we're not tired and uh mary poppins is like yeah whatever you say so stay awake do it bitch stay yeah. awake i dare you and then she sings um, a song that obviously puts them to sleep because a they're yeah. tired and b she's a magic witch yeah and i think that right after this is when like we get a lot of information about is the next thing that happens that they go to the bank or is it tea party on the ceiling it's tea party on the ceiling Oh, great sequence. So next day we're out running errands and we have shit to do. And Andrew comes up and tells Mary Poppins, like, come quick. There's an emergency. (laughs) Andrew being the dog. (laughs) 
And Mary Poppins is like, I guess we're not going to the fish market today, uh, but we really do need to make time for tea. And so they go and they see Uncle Albert is floating on the ceiling because he has the giggles. And we get I Love to Laugh, which is so good. Iconic song. (laughs) Objectively, not a beautifully sung song. Like, I just don't think anyone has good voices that are singing it. But objectively, a very fun song. And we get a lot of, like, good one-liners. Yeah, the point is not... I know a man with wooden... Yeah, the point's, like, not good vocalists, you know? Like, that's not the point of the song. He is having such a powerful laughing attack that he's barely able to even get the words out. So I'll excuse it. And And it's contagious. And so everyone floats to the ceiling. And Mary Poppins is like, well, I guess since we're being hooligans right now... And I will not have my schedule interrupted. We're going to have tea. So they have a tea party on the ceiling. And the way to get down from laughing is to think of something sad. And they try a few times and fail. Because we have a few of like, well, my neighbor lady, someone ran over her cat. And he said, hey, ran over cat. I'd like to replace it for you. And she said, well, that's good. But how are you catching mice? And that was that was one that like I thought was funny as a child. But I thought was great as an adult. <laughs> And then we have a, I know a man with a wooden leg named Smith. What's the name of his ugly leg? Um, I went to go get measured for long underwear. How long do you want it from about September to March? <laughs> uh, so we get a, like, a lot of fun ones in there. And then she says, it's time to go and everyone gets sad. And it's objectively a come down from like LSD where you're just like so distraught after such a exuberant high where he's just crying for hours and Bert is tasked with maintaining Uncle Albert so he doesn't like kill himself. I love like the physical mechanics of this and how like when they're done laughing that gravity restores in a gentle way and they float down. Can you imagine if you were laughing and laughing and then you're done and then you just like, like, That's what should happen, but I would fucking love it. (laughs) I would fucking die. I would do it all the time. It just plummets 10 feet. (laughs) (laughs) And the furniture comes crashing down. (laughs) And then we go home and the kids brace George Binks. And they're like, we had a tea party on the ceiling. We did a fox hunt and a chalk painting. And he gets real disturbed. He gets real upset. And he tries to discipline Mary. And he uses a metaphor that she decides to like turn around on him as a literal thing where he's going to take the kids to the bank. Yeah, I guess like take your kids to work day is like the solution here. Yeah, he's like, the way you run a bank. And he's trying to make an analogous to managing children. And she's like, oh, great. You want to take the kids to the bank? They will be ready for you tomorrow. And we then we get Tuppence a bag, which. Yeah. Um, he had a little song to talk about it where he's going to discipline her. And she's like, I never get sacked. I never get fired. I don't even get disciplined. And she, again, just the most gaslights him. <laughs> she's like, yeah, and you're like, not going to talk to me that way. <laughs> yeah. Goes back upstairs because you're like, we're going to see everything. There's going to be so much. And she's like, well, you're not going to see everything. And so we get a life lesson on noticing and enjoying the small things with Tuppence a Bag, which is a banger of a ballad. Yeah, Feed the Birds. It's interesting because it's a song that I, in my youth, would always like skip or not pay attention to. I'd be like, eh, slow song. It's whatever. But it's actually very simple and beautiful. It's very It's beautiful. a very beautiful it's little one- song. 
it yeah i think it's one of those things where first time you listen to like an album there's some songs that are like fine but you skip them and then the more that you listen to the album the songs that you initially loved you're like okay well this is obviously good and it becomes boring but then you like really get into like the nuances of the other stuff and that's where this fits in it's so so enjoyable and lovely and it's kind of the first we're teaching empathy here and i think it's a really interesting way to distribute or disseminate this lesson to the children also fun fact tuppence for those who don't speak early british money is two pence (laughs) it's literally what it means and a pence is like a cent so two tuppence is equivalent to two pennies for us for those who don't speak old time British money, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's they don't. I don't think they even have a tuppence anymore. I'm pretty sure that like that was abandoned in like the 1950s, like with the shilling. Ooh. It's kind of all the same. Yeah, like sh- they don't have shillings anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's all pounds or pence. Yeah, it's a really beautifully disarming song. Yeah, it's kind of haunting. Mm-hmm. It's you got that minor key in there again a little bit. Um, and it's also like pretty long, but I was I was on board the whole time, which was uncharacteristic yeah. of me and my usual preferences. I think it speaks to how mesmerizing Julie Andrews is as an entertainer um, and how truly lovely her voice is. Yeah. She's really enjoyable to watch and to, to listen to. Yeah. This was her very first movie. Yeah. Wasn't she like in a Broadway show and Walt Disney saw her and came up to her and was like, um, you're going to be in Mary Poppins. And she was just like. I'm about to have a baby. So I think so. Have to wait for that. Yeah, I think that's all correct. Yeah. And then we get some s- anarchy at the bank. <laughs> yes, the next, thing the next song is Fidelity Fiduciary Bank. I forget his name, but the fucking old guy um, that who runs the bank, who is also Dick, Dick Van Dyke, because <laughs> he's the greatest actor of any generation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we get a lesson in capitalism and compound interest that the kids just don't give a shit about. Why would they? Um, they're like eight. They're Michael's what, like five? Like he's a small child. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard because objectively, I find the song enjoyable, but as a child, this would be a terrifying experience. Yeah, <laughs> the song because the song is like kind of funny in the way that it's just like stiff. British men. <laughs> yeah. And they walk very... like a cult. Like, <laughs> yeah, they absolutely do. They absolutely do. And they all look the same. They all look like presidents, for, like US presidents from the 1860s. Like, they all look like that. <laughs> it's just like six Abraham Lincolns. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but it is, though. And we get a lot of, again, physical comedy of like some guy saying, or the, the old man saying, standing tall while he falls over and the entire group has to catch him. Yeah, because it's he's like 107 years old. <laughs> Even though it's, it's Dick it's, Van Dyke in a wig. <laughs> yeah. This old fucking man snatches two pennies, tuppence, from Michael. Like, aggressively takes it out of his hand. Yeah, because he's like, you're gonna invest this, little boy. <laughs> like, that's not how banks work, sir. And Michael, understandably, is distraught. And Mr. Banks is like, I don't understand why you're upset right now. I think you're going to need to calm down. Yeah, he was like, I wanted to feed the fucking birds. Like, I, I've just learned empathy. I didn't know that before. And I want to exercise my right to do it now. I want to spend my money where I want to spend my money. And Mr. Banks is like, fuck no. And uh, old guy Dick Van Dyke is like, yeah, absolutely no. 
And so that's when Michael starts like shouting and trying to grab his money back. He's like, give me back my money. And then some and passerbys in the bank. <laughs> yeah, the passerbys are like, they're not giving someone his money. Not, there's no critical thinking going like, this is a child. And like the, a child that reasonably most likely wouldn't have their control of like their own money. So they're just like, an adult patron with much money is not receiving what they think. So he causes like a full collapse of the economy. Yeah, like, because we hear someone that's like, did you all hear that? The bank's not giving somebody his money. And then everyone goes like, well, I want my money and I don't want the bank to steal my money. So they all go and they try to just withdraw all of their money in everyone's personal accounts. Everyone's like, I want my money. I want my money. I want my money to the point where like the bank tellers are like closing the windows and they're running back and they are like closing the vaults so nobody can get any money at all. And it is like these two children start like a complete financial collapse of this banking institution. So yep. Jane and Michael understandably fucking bolt. They dip. Yep. They're like, we've caused something bad. <laughs> We're going to run. <laughs> and their dad is mad at them. I think both understandably and undeservedly. Yeah, that's correct. He, he's like objectively mad. And we have established that he's, even though he, like we flouted his authoritarian complex and thought that, you know, he's absurd and funny. He's still dictates their lives and is in control of them and physically has superiority over them so they're in like physical danger yeah and he it sounds like he's kind of already like low on the uh corporate ladder at the bank so he's already kind of a peon yeah so this puts him in hot water he gets in some deep shit yeah and we get we get a line because they run and they run into bert who they don't recognize because he's covered it in chimney dust so not only do they just like run into Bert they run into Bert after they like bolt through the streets of London at night past like a bunch of strangers there's like the creepy witch lady that yeah, like is like come hat. with me and they're like no and they're like climbing over shit and like onto roofs and stuff and that's where they yeah. run into Bert and he says the line of like they're like, we're scared, we're running. And he's like, oh, of course I'll take care of you. Like, I was your own father. Who are you running from? And they go, our father. <laughs> um, and it's He's going to be that, cross with us. It's it's a line that I think is actually a lot more powerful than I ever thought it was. Um, it's something that I skipped over a lot as a kid, but it is, like, actually really significant about the way that, like, kindness and abuse can really influence the interactions of children and what a, being, like, a parental figure actually means. And he takes them home. We get a little bit of chim chimney on the way home. Uh, we get the sweep is as lucky as lucky can be. The song itself is pretty short. Um, he's already been it's sort short. of singing. It's also creepy. It's a little creepy. It's a minor key again. Yeah, um, but this is like the one that's on the soundtrack, like right here, where they're sort of walking by where he drew the uh, chalk drawing and he's doing his little like Waluigi will skip with the leggy legs mm -hmm. but it's like and the initial chim chimmery it's it's yeah. it's cute it's slow yeah it's cute it's a work here's the thing this is just a plea for unionization and the disbanded capitalism where he's teaching them to enjoy small things and I'm behind that so we get them home and Mrs. Banks is like Listen, I know the, I birthed these hooligans, but I don't have time to actually watch them because I'm about to go teach prison ladies how to sing and riot. So can you watch them? And he's like, I actually have an appointment where I have to go chimney sweet. And she's like, great, thanks. See you later. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he's like, but my appointment, dude, is going to be crossed. And she's like, great. Sounds like you can really do wonders with the kids and the chimney. Thank you so much. Was this, um, and he goes, did we think that this was Mary Poppins' every other Tuesday off? Well, I think it's yes and no, because she's like Mary Poppins is off, but I don't think it's her every other Tuesday off because she's still in her one week trial period. That's right. (laughs) That's right. It's been like a day and a half. (laughs) And it's not her trial period that they're giving to her. She's like, I'll give you a trial period to see if I want to work for you. Yeah. Um, Since George was taking them to the bank, she took the opportunity to have the day off. But I don't think it was like her every other Tuesday off. And so he goes in, he's like, I guess we're going to sweep this chimney. Uh, and Mary Poppins comes home and she's talking to Bert and is like, don't you know that this can be dangerous? And while they're having this conversation, Michael gets sucked up the chimney and then so does Jane. And then we get a really fun sequence of events. So the physics of this, is this a magic chimney or is this just how... Just how chimneys, like, it seems like all of the sweeps have the ability to do this. Are they just a troop of magic chimney sweeps? No, no, no. This is the normal physics of chimneys. Okay. Is this, <laughs> I guess Santa. <laughs> Santa's entirely different. He has to miniaturize himself. He's wider than How he would is it be tall. different? I don't think <laughs> that it would be different at all. Um, no, it's just a hungry chimney. That's all. <laughs> It's like a cookie monster, but chimney version. Feed me, Seymour. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that Step in Time is the next song. We have a little something else before that. It is the next song. We have some. Yeah, it takes a minute to get there, but Step in Time is the next song. Okay, because we have like a full little sequence where we're walking through the the. We're walking through the rooftops of London and it's there's so much pollution that the sky is red. And then like, yeah. oh, this beautiful sunset. <laughs> um, and Mary Poppins like pokes a plume of smoke into a staircase that they go up into the heavens and they come down on a roof. And then all the chimney st- sweeps come up at the same time. They're like, hey, Bert, we see you. And, and he's like, hey, my buddies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brasif. Like... <laughs> And I think this is the most iconic song. I think truly the most iconic song is Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious tied with, and then the second most are Step in Time and Spoonful of Sugar. Um, this hits everything for me. This song, more. it gives me everything that I need, which is a very strong men's dance break and wildly peppy music. This hits it for me. The men's dance break for this is insane. It's so unexpected and it's so quintessential, like West End. This particular scene is where I'm like, oh yeah, this is a Broadway musical, you know? Yeah. It's so perfect. Um, I can see it being recreated so well on stage and the acrobatics that occur in this are wild fantastic they are jumping all over shit there's like the whole little sequence where they are on that really thin little bar and they're like pretending like they're gonna fall off except then they do like a whole bunch of jumps off of it yeah they do a can can line and then they also are like doing handstands in between two roofs where they like lean to the side and then they like drop and catch themselves with their toes. Yeah, it's like seven minutes long, like the whole sequence it's, of it. 
And what's funny is like there's not that many words. Most of it is just us watching. Da, these da, 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 step in time. Da, 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 step in time. Never need a reason. Need need a rhyme. Rhyme. Da, 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 step in time. Step in time. Yeah. And, fill in the blank. Uh, step in time. Fill in the blank. Step in time. <laughs> it's the most sex that I've felt <laughs> thus far. <laughs> Accidental horny. Oops. <laughs> It is it is really accidental horny. And the praise that they give to Mary Poppins is just so overtly horny. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no other thing for it. It just is. And she has like a sequence where she like keeps spinning and she's trying to impress them and they're like, ooh. And then she jumps in the air and just is, does like an inhuman amount of like spinning in plates where she's literally doing nothing to spin. She's just rotating like a mixer. <laughs> Yeah, because she flies like a witch. Yeah. Um, and I pointed out, like, we only see her head spinning during this. So I was like, maybe they're impressed because they can see up her dress um, to her bloomers. It's probably that her head is spinning around 360 degrees like a fucking owl or like an exorcised demon. <laughs> also, she's fucking flying. She's flying. <laughs> I tried to make a dirty joke and Matt was like, I think it's her spinning. And I was like, obviously it's her spinning. But like, <laughs> Um, i'm not an idiot matt (laughs) yeah i understand defying the laws of physics (laughs) but it's an added bonus that they can see off her dress and then this doesn't really end in any specific way except for running down the banks's chimney and destroying their house Mr. Banks come home and was like, who are, first of all, all of these strangers in my home with valuables that I don't know. Covered in shit. There's a, there's a a part where um, earlier Michael gets like hit in the face with just a pile of soot. And Bert says, "Uh, no worries, Michael. It's just good, clean soot. And that like killed Matt. Like that just killed him. And I was like, it's, I understand why, but it didn't do it quite for me. But he literally held on to that for like through the rest of this scene where they come and it's like good clean set. It's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, the number ends in the best way it could possibly end. We're like, it's the master. And you're right. The Mr. Banks comes home and then there's like a temporary stop. And then they all just like shake his hand on the way out. And they're like, goodbye, governor. And then they just like dance down the street, just yes. continuing the party to a, a secondary location. <laughs> Like they are unfazed. They're like, great, you know, uh, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, sort of. It's the original Pride Parade is really what that is. And they're just like jumping on fences and shit, and they just like yeah. head on down the street. So many backflips that happen down the street. Yeah. Uh, Michael tries to leave. He says, good luck, governor. And Mr. Banks pulls him aside, and it's just Michael completely covered in soot, holding <laughs> with like a page boy cap and a chimney sweep. Yeah, it's just the fact that these chimney sweeps are so unbothered by it. They were like, just, this was just like a day at work. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, tight, Bert and Mary Poppins are here. And then they just go on a whole journey. And then like, they come to get disciplined, but they're just like, no, this is fine. We'll just, you know, take the party downtown and they just skip on out. (laughs) Yeah. I don't exactly remember what the next i feel like it's a jump cut into something unrelated but we're like pretty close to the end of the movie right here there's like the next song is uh let's go fly kite so there's a little bit that happens before then but that is the next song okay 
the important thing that happens here. Because for whatever reason, Mr. Banks, like he he gets a call from uh, old guy Dick Van Dyke and his assistant. And they're like, we need to talk about the shit that happened at the bank today. But it needs to happen now at work at 9 p.m. Yeah. (laughs) Which is not ethical. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I entirely forgot that this was the same day that they caused economic collapse. Yes. It's been a wild two days for these children. So Mr. Banks, like, walks through the streets of London, wild that nobody is out at what would have been probably 8.45 on, like, a weekday night. (laughs) Weird that the city is deserted. But he shows up at the bank, and he is greeted by what I can only describe as what I assume happens with, like, Greek fraternity, like, executive (laughs) meeting. Like, it is like a cult this bank yeah. like he has to like, be wearing robes and hoods. yeah he has to be let in and he is escorted to the conference room by like a line of people with freaky red lighting and he's let in and it is like a huge room and an itty bitty tiny little table with like a council of people and very menacing red light and he has to like walk up and like repent <laughs> he has to like beg for forgiveness to be absolved of his sins and old guy Dick Van Dyke, who's barely alive. He's barely even alive. He's, he's actively in a hospital bed. He's, he's like on him. death's door. <laughs> and he's like, uh, you fucked up, dude. Um, what do you have to say for yourself? And this is where capitalism breaks Mr. Banks. And it turns into a story of a man um, who was finally radicalized against big banking institutions. <laughs> And he has, like, a breakdown, and he begins laughing. Um, and he's just, like, the only word... He's, he's like, holding Michael's two tuppence that he basically stole out of his, like, cold baby hands. And he's, like, the only word I can think of right now is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And everyone at the table is, like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he is, like, uh, it's a word that I just learned, and also I'm having a nervous breakdown. And you want to hear a joke? <laughs> The wooden leg named Smith joke. It's a callback. And he's like, you know what? I'm I'm outie. I'm I'm out of here. I, I'm having a minute. Um enjoy your bank time. I'm a socialist now. I'm gonna go home and be with my kids. <laughs> and that sequence ends by old Dick Van Dyke just saying, A wooden leg named Smith. A wooden leg named Smith. And then like laughing, and then we like cut to him being at home, having a mental break. For some reason it's like the same night, but also the next day. Yeah, I, I I am unclear on the passage of time there as well. Yeah, and he's like, kids, let's go bond. Let's fly a kite. And then we have let's go fly a kite. And while this is happening, we get like a phone call where we find out that old Dick Van Dyke died laughing, <laughs> like floating to the floating to the ceiling uh it's insane yeah because he gets a call from his like assistant manager it's his son right and he's like so so you killed my dad he died that night because you made him laugh with a stupid joke and he's fucking dead now um but thank you for making him laugh and you want a promotion (laughs) mr banks is like yeah tight but i'm gonna go hang out with my kids real quick (laughs) and then we have a banger of song and Mary Poppins ends her one week trial and goes up into the up into the air. Yeah, she's like, you don't need me anymore. You don't need a nanny. Which, like, if he's just got promoted, they absolutely need a nanny. His business, his hours are gonna only increase, if anything. 
I think she's trained him how to train her, his kids now. So it's fine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah. a broken man and she fixed him like a good manic pixie dream girl. Oof. Except um, that there's no romance because she's she's not above. <laughs> yeah, she's above any kind of genitalia. And I think this is the first sequence where like the bird actually talks and gives her like so much shit when she's leaving. Oh yeah, the uh, umbrella handle, right? The umbrella handle is like a parrot and it just it gives her such a fucking hard time. Yeah. And it's so funny. It's so funny that like her her familiar, like if she's a witch, is just like busting her balls so hard. Like Especially because life. you get the vibe that like um they have had a relationship for like three hundred years. <laughs> she was pr- she's probably about five hundred and sixty years old, if I had to guess. Thereabouts. That's that's the ethereal age I believe her to be. Yeah. Um and Go Fly Kite is a fucking banger. And then we end. Yeah. And we're done. And it's been a wild ride from start to finish. This is a fever dream of a movie. So we have to we have to share the fact that um uh let's go fly a kite. The lore there is that um kites are such a heavy motif in this movie because uh Walt Disney's daughters were both part of the sorority kappa alpha theta where their little sign is a kite and also the sorority in which christina and i are a part of and uh would never have met each other if it were not for us both being a part of it Ooh, so. it goes all the way to the top <laughs> it goes all the way to the top man <laughs> i did not know that that's incredible yeah did you say that was walt disney's daughter's things walt disney's daughters were both thetas oh so. that's so sad because he was so anti-semitic um, yeah, but the lore is that that's why uh, he wrote that song for them. And then I think he then worked the song into this movie, I think. I love that even more because yeah. let me tell you, that is, that should, that is a great song. I think my actual favorite song in the whole thing is Let's Go Fly a Kite. It's the one that I remember the most words to. The most it's often. just so pure, you know? It is. It's one that, like I said, like my sister and I will genuinely break into song if we're driving somewhere. We'll like one of us will start it and the other one will like do it full volume, which my sister and I don't do that shit. We're not yeah. touchy feely or lovey dovey. I do know this um, about you. <laughs> so it's it's a very it's a very enjoyable song. It's very easy too. Any any fun trivia now that we need to know about this, aside from the the theta lore i sprinkled it in at the beginning um but glennis john's uh very very famous lady sister suffragette was written like specifically with her in mind she has a very expansive broadway career have you ever heard the song send in the clowns this sounds familiar to me but i'm not sure it's a song from a little night music uh it's a, a sondheim show and there's a role that uh glennis john's originated um the th- role was created with her in mind so the song was created with her in mind and even though we hear her singing in this movie she's not a very good singer (laughs) and so send in the clowns is a very famous song because um it's like absurdly simple um because they had to make it simple so that she could sing it because she's not a very good singer so it's funny that that song has such a wide like reach in pop culture Cause it's like not, it's like purposely so fucking simple. Um, but it's so that she could sing it. Like it was made specifically for her. Awesome. Final thoughts and feelings. 
Oh, no, just that. Yeah, it was Julie Andrews's first movie. Um, I think the movie she did right after this was Sound of Music, yeah, which is funny say. that it's so fucking similar. <laughs> it's like exactly the I same think... plot, but with Nazis. <laughs> we have to restart the Nazi count because we mentioned them again. <laughs> <laughs> I know that she is like a natural blonde, but I think she's so much more beautiful with brunette hair. And it was very jarring to me. Because I only ever saw Mary Poppins for a long time. So it was very jarring to me to see Sound of Music and have her have, like, blonde hair. I was like, this is not correct. <laughs> oh, some other trivia I have. Um, uh, P.L. Travers, who wrote the book, was a consultant on the movie, obviously. Um, I think she was also, like, famously kind of a loon. Um, I think she's, like, a wacky lady. But it was important. She was, like, very adamant that uh, in the movie version, Bert and uh, Mary could not be love interests they were not supposed to be romantically inclined um and i think the movie went through a few versions where they did it and then she watched it and was like they are clearly fucking and we can't have that um (laughs) this and i pulled this right off of wikipedia this is like a wikipedia quote um that even though they took out a lot of like the actual romance parts like clearly the undertones are still there (laughs) So they didn't even, like, it didn't even work. They couldn't even take all of it out. <laughs> the two of them are clearly, like, there's there's something brewing between he's us. He's definitely fucking. I don't know if he's fucking her. I don't know if he's, yeah. if he's fucking her mortal bo- body. But um, he's definitely fucking her ethereal energy. <laughs> yeah, it was tricky because um, one of the differences that Disney wanted to make was that, like, the thing with your book, uh, P.L. Travers, is that uh, Mary Poppins is, like, mean and, like, super, like, ruthless and totally, like, she's not, like, fun and sunny. And they were like, we need to make her, like, nice and likable and pretty. But people can't just imagine that, like, a pretty guy and a pretty girl can be friends. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to come in with a controversial opinion because I do think that Bert has like huge dick energy, and I think that it is backed up by the fact that I don't think he is particularly pretty. I think he's objectively like averagely handsome, but he and Julie Andrews physically are not on the same level. And it is a testament to the gigantic fuck energy that he has. It is a testament to his gigantic penis. <laughs> to his huge fucking cock (laughs) that like no truly though like i i think dick van dyke is i i don't know what got him famous but he absolutely has to be from like the vaudevillian train of things because there's no way that he's just you know he's not a good singer he's a great dancer he's like a cute cute kid he's a cute boy he is a good singer he had an accent happening yeah, I was I was telling Matt while we were doing this. I know we have to get going soon, but I was like, I really don't want to look up how problematic this movie is because I hold it so close to my heart, and I feel like the person I'm going to have the most problems with will be Dick De- Dick Van Dyke. Apparently, the worst thing that he's done is like married someone who's forty years younger than him, which is like yeah, he's like canonically wonderful. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, yeah. I don't have anything else to say. I had a great fucking time watching this as an adult, and I would absolutely watch it again. Yeah. Um, I also have, I think, not much more to say, but I had a good time. Uh, I don't want you to think that I was, like, not on board. Like, I absolutely enjoyed my time. But it took me until Jolly Holiday to, like, lock in. You know? I understand that. It's interesting, too, because I find our roles to be reversed very often when I suggest the musical. 
because I usually only suggest something that I've already seen and something that I know that I enjoy. And That's fair. For the most part, like this holds a very special place specifically because I have seen it so much. It is something that like my sister and I could agree on when we agreed on literally nothing else for 20 years and my mom loved for that reason it's gonna be my version of phantom phantom of the opera um objectively a better version of phantom of the opera but um (laughs) i buy that but yeah it's it's nostalgic for me and well executed great great i cool for now um yeah Listen, bitches, if you want to send us any information at all, we'll tell a story. Uh, I'm really vying for that that validation of listener participation. <laughs> Please tell us we're pretty and funny. I'll just settle for funny. I know I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm pretty, but I need to hear it. I'm like, this is a direct quote from Glee. Um, I'm like Tinkerbell. I need applause to live. <laughs> Uh, I've never heard a more no. accurate quote to describe you. So, <laughs> you know, stop it with your eyebrows. I started this with the eyebrows and I'm ending it with the eyebrows. It's the perfect bookend. I feel yes. fulfilled. I feel complete. End it there. End it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye, bitches. Be well. You're welcome for listening to It's Broadway, Bitch. If you like what we had to say, then please like, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have thoughts, feelings, opinions, or stories about theater or what we talked about, you can email us at itsbroadwaybitch at gmail.com. That itsbroadwaybitch with no I in bitch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at itsbroadwaybitch, no I in bitch. And you can follow me, Christina, at chat for pictures of my cats on Instagram. And you can follow me, Alana, on Instagram and Twitter at Alana Fine Woman, like Feynman, but I'm a lady. Special thanks to Katie Braverman for designing our cover art and Jack Larkin for making our theme music. You can follow them at katie.braverman and at jacksterlark on Instagram and check out the episode's description for links. I'm Alana. I'm the Broadway. I'm Christina. I'm the bitch. And we'll see you next time. It's